You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for bloggers and creatives hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist living in London. Each week, I interview different women in blogging and the online world, getting their best blogging tips and advice, and a little bit of gossip too. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of What She Said. This is episode six. Super exciting. Okay, so I've got another returning guest this week, which is awesome. I love getting to chat to people that I've chatted to before. This week, I got to talk to the amazing Kate Ferris of Slow Living Blogs Simple and Season, all about the importance of diversifying your income streams in blogging and in life, and how she came to the realisation you can't live off sponsored posts alone. Kate's had an epic journey in the past year, going freelance, starting her coaching business, and she's now running retreats too. So if you have been struggling to understand how to make ends meet yourself from blogging, this is the episode for you. Welcome back, Kate. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Your episode was really, really popular. And because Kate's been on already, if I would suggest that you go back to that episode, the link is in the show notes and get to know her all over again and then come back to us. (laughs) (laughs) But for people that don't know who you are, do you want to briefly just give a bit of an overview? Uh, Yes, so um, I'm Kate and I blog at simpleandseason.com. So I started the blog in kind of the summer of 2016 as a way of kind of getting some creativity when I wasn't getting a lot out of my marketing job. And then this year, 2017, has been a bit of a whirlwind where I ended up quitting my job, moving to Snowdonia, and (laughs) I'm going freelance and working as like a marketing mentor and a creative business coach. Um, And so, yeah, now I'm just sat looking out at a mountain. So, yeah, my life's (laughs) changed quite a lot this year. (laughs) One of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about was something that you're really good at doing yourself but also that you coach other people in doing and I guess you'll probably be talking about that bit in your upcoming workshops as well is diversifying your income as a blogger but also as a freelancer I guess it's not specific to blogging but it's very important to do it yes definitely (laughs) (laughs) I think blogging in terms of just like getting sponsored posts and earning a living from that although I've kind of come in at it kind of at the, this end I'm not I've not like I've been doing it for 10 years but I do get the sense that it's you're quite a small fish in a really rather large pond mm. and so diversifying your income is so important because there's no way you can just survive on doing sponsored posts and especially in the niche that I'm in which is all about slow living I'm very much a big supporter of independent businesses because that was one of the reasons why I wanted to leave my job was because I was kind of really grossed out by all the corporate marketing so that's really important to me but then that also comes with the fact that the businesses that I care about and want to support on the blog don't exactly have big budgets so (laughs) it was important for me to be able to live that I was diversifying what I offered and not just relying on sponsored posts so is that where the coaching initially came in to it yeah so I knew I wanted to leave my job and I knew I wanted to help people with their marketing Mm -hmm. 
it was something that always really came easily to me. And then as I was talking to people on Instagram and meeting people and seeing what people were doing online, it kind of dawned on me that it doesn't come easy to everybody. And I think when you've got a skill, you don't always realise that not everybody can do it. That was what I wanted to do. And I started off thinking that I'd just do freelancing. But then the more I spoke to people, and as I was developing my own business as well, I was like, well, I don't want somebody else to come in and do this stuff. I just want to learn how to do it and do it all myself. So that's why the coaching started, really, because I thought, well, I can fairly good at explaining things. Mm. Um, I can teach people how to do it, and then they've kind of got control over their business for themselves. That's how I started with coaching as well, because I think... You're absolutely right. If you want to be a full-time blogger or you want your blog to be the jumping off point, you cannot live by sponsored posts alone. There's an episode number three with Monica Stott and it will be number one of this series. Monica Stott again and she's talking about making money online. And one of the things that we talk about is that numbers aren't the only thing that matter. But if you want to make your money from things like affiliate marketing, you need those big page views. Thinking about some of the other ways that you can make money is really important not just for the fact that it's easier because it's not easier it's I I don't want to put words into your mouth but I would say it's more satisfying (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so I've never done any kind of affiliate marketing or selling um advertising my site or anything because the things that you have to care about to get that I just can't bring myself to care about that just doesn't light my fire and the whole point of kind of going off on my own was to not have to worry about things that bore me to tears that's not a route that I've chosen to go down just because it's not kind of exciting to me but then there are people who are very numbers driven Mm -hmm. and who that kind of more passive style of income would be just a really great thing to have so it's probably a good thing to have in the arsenal but I just couldn't be bothered (laughs) yeah and and you've got to go with what works for you for me it was more about building a new lifestyle rather than just like getting a bit of extra cash off the blog so it depends what what you want out of it really there's no there's no right or wrongs on that front how would you help somebody identify what would your tips be to help identify which route to go down because I think a lot of the time there's so much noise out there right so and especially when you're new you feel like you have to take in all the noise and it's a little while for a lot of people some people get come to it quicker but it's a little while before you can go actually this is the noise that I want to listen to this isn't noise this is useful and this isn't and you often end up feeling like you can't see the wood for the trees which actually <laughs> that's a perfect analogy because that's <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that yeah no worries <laughs> that I promise I promise that wasn't set up but actually <laughs> This is the whole ethos of your workshops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I promise yeah, it wasn't set up. It is really difficult to know what you actually want to do. And it's something that I do talk to people and clients about quite a lot, especially because you kind of start thinking about what do I want to do? And quite often what you want to do isn't what people will pay for. So... Mm-hmm. I'd quite like to just sit in my room and write all day and take pictures, but people (laughs) need to do that. You have to think about where you can provide the most value and what other people would want you to do. So for me, where I can provide value is with my marketing knowledge, helping people to build their own strategies, 
did a workshop which was all about helping people work out what their business is going to be and about their purpose and discovering their audience and all that kind of thing. So that's where I can add value to people rather than, well, obviously it is what I want to do, but it wasn't that I was sat here thinking, oh, I know what I want to do. Yeah. What to do is just sit on the phone to talk to people all day because yeah. it's quite funny. I do say I've always hated talking on the phone, so quite how I've managed to get myself <laughs> a job, which is that all day, I don't know, but it is really rewarding. But it's also where I can add value to people, and that's kind of where I've started the workshops. And I keep meaning to write a course next year because that's kind of what I get asked. So, yeah, if you don't know. If you're already at the kind of, well, this is what I think I want. I don't really know where my value is. The best thing to do is just ask people. It's really underestimated thing that nobody wants to ask people their opinion. And I'm constantly doing it. So when I was planning my workshops, the dates that they're on is because I was choosing between March and April. And so I put it in a stories poll on Instagram, like what's better, March or April? People said April. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's as easy as that. That's a it's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. <laughs> All my captions on Instagram are just like asking. That's true. People, yeah, you're really good at that. <laughs> yeah, so it might be that you just ask in stories or just think about what people say to you. So if you get a lot of comments about how beautiful your pictures are, then maybe you can think about starting a stock photography shop mm. or writing a course to help people take better photos. So pick up on what people are already getting that's valuable to them from you and then refine that down and then start asking what people would like to see. And that's a really good tip. That's a really, really good tip. And I mean, even basically using this call as a free bit of coaching for myself. And now I'm thinking, oh, I'm get- that's exactly what I'm going to do. So you're going to see on my stories now, there's just going to be <laughs> incessant polling. <laughs> what is the thing that you find comes up most in your kind of creative coaching work? The questions that come up the most from your clients to you? Well, because I'm very much focused on marketing, kind of like a generalist business coach, because I don't have that knowledge. So I'm just focusing (laughs) on what I can actually do. So a lot of people come to me are at a point where they've got an idea or they've got a kind of embryonic business that's maybe a couple of weeks old or they've been going for a while and they've just had a major change and they're at a point where they're on kind of one side of a canyon and then where they they could see so clearly where they want to be on the other side but it's just building the bridge across they've got no idea how to bridge that gap between where they are and where they want to be so that's really what I get asked a lot is that but how do I get there and it's all about just actually taking the time to know what you're doing and actually know what you're doing and who you're doing it for. There's a big difference to being like, oh, I'm a marketing coach. And then actually knowing when you sit down and you get on the phone with someone, what you're going to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) So it's having that really succinct purpose that people can understand and that they can jump on board with and be like, yes, that's exactly what I need. You're speaking directly to me. And knowing who your audience are and how you can serve them best, it really comes back to that idea of value again and thinking 
well, who are these really specific people that I can serve and how can I give them value and then giving it to them? And once you know that, once you know what you do and who you're doing it for, then the rest of it just flows because then you know, oh, well, I really know my audience. So I know that they're scrolling Instagram around this time on the train and they're looking for some inspiration. So I pop that there. Um, and I know they listen to XYZ podcast. So I'll pitch to be a guest on there. Mm. And I know they read this magazine. So I'll write a guest post or an article for them so it all kind of flows from really knowing what you do and who you do it for oh you make it sound so simple I feel like this is clearing the fog for me anyway so that's pretty it is simple that's the thing marketing it's just been like bogged down to be this really complicated thing for some reason whereas it's actually just one human talking to another human or one business talking to another business and you just have to kind of refine it down to those bare bones. That's good, good free tips for you all. <laughs> You're welcome. Going back to diversifying your income, what kind of revenue streams do you think are maybe things that people haven't thought about, specifically in blogging? Because we all know, yes, yeah, sponsor posts. And we kind of know about affiliate marketing. We, I think probably there's a bit of haziness around, do you get paid to, to go on a trip or, or brand collaborations, et cetera, et cetera. Is it just gifted or am I getting paid for that Instagram post? But beyond that, because you're right, that is such small fry for the majority of us until you get to kind of the big, 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 big numbers. And if, if, that's, if that's your goal, that's awesome. But it's probably good to think about other things. What are some other ways to diversify? Yeah, so I think it really does depend on the kind of blogger you are. Um, at the moment, there's a huge shift towards the sort of educational style thing. So every man and his dog has got an e-course coming out um, or are offering services. So if it go, if you've got that one hook that's really valuable to people that you can sell as an educational project then that's a really good one to go for because it's all online it's very kind of not low effort it is a lot of effort but you don't need to have a shop um to do it so it, it's quite easy you can just do it from your laptop um if you're sat there thinking well I just write about clothes or, or whatever it is that you, you just can't think that you have anything particularly valuable. Then I actually dig into that a bit more because if you are a fashion blogger, then something like a capsule wardrobe guide or kind of styling coaching, that would be really valuable to me because me too. <laughs> I, I just work from home now. So I'm just like, don't even iron anything anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm in my pajamas right now. So <laughs> So that's why we're doing it. Um, a huge thing that we, I think we're going to see more of that's been growing over the last couple of years is actually experiences. And not just as a product, just as a way of marketing. You see a lot of the big brands are really getting into experiential marketing. So events and apps that take you on journeys and all that kind of thing. So I think that's probably a kickback against everything being digital and all our relationships being digital is that actually people want to get in a room and talk. Yeah. So that's kind of why I started my workshops because I'd been to a couple of workshops and I was like, no, that there really is no competition for the connection that is happening in this room. Mm. So that's something that you can do if you want to have in-person meetups, even if it is just 
networking events for bloggers. I know everybody wants to meet up and nobody really kind of has the impetus to put something together. Yeah, like retreats or just nights out and everybody pays a tenner and you get um, sponsorships from brands or whatever. That's a really good one, I think. And then also, what I was thinking as I was talking, something that we don't really consider is actually just content creation for brands, Mm. not even sponsored stuff. Just, And, you know, you'll get emails from brands and you're just like, "Mm, that's not a great fit. But they came to you because they like your content. So just say, well, I'll create the content and give it to you to post. I've done that before. It's such a good idea because it's not easy money, of course, because you have to create the content, but it's just don't just say no because it doesn't work for your blog because, yeah, they value your writing or your photography or whatever it might be. Yeah, when they come to you, your audience is just one of the things that they're buying Mm. into. So if you're not prepared to kind of give them that, then there's always something else to give. Um, I think we tend Mm. to be quite black and white in this world it's like no that's not for me yes that's for me and actually there are a lot of gray areas in everything and there's always a way that you can get something out of an opportunity totally something that monica stock talked about in the episode so it'll be episode one of the series is um upselling i think a really underrated thing is press releases if you've ever been a journalist or anything you'll get hundreds of press releases I get absolutely stacks of them daily the majority of people just ignore them because obviously they're you know they're a mass email to a lot of people and so sometimes people just delete them whatever but if you go back to that person there's ways that you can you can maybe go back and say well I can't come to this hotel opening that you've invited me to but how about I write about it or there's there's Mm. stuff that you can do with press releases lots of things that you can do you can get sponsored posts out of it or you can just build a relationship with a PR that can turn into work but I think so many people just delete them because they kind of Mm. see it as spam because because you're right because we're black and white we see this press release and like oh it's not for me delete yeah, and you even if you get an email from a brand or something, like you're like, oh no, I don't care about hand sanitizer. Yeah, <laughs> you forget that there's there's an actual real person mm. who sent that email, and that real person might get a job at like your favorite Absolutely. brand. It's it's all about relationships and just being a nice human. Yeah. <laughs> that goes a really long way. But yeah, what you're saying about finding new ways to deal with press mm. releases, you can also do that with any other products or, or whatever that you're doing. So at the weekend, I did a styling workshop for a brand for their influencer event and so I sort of said to them oh and I can do some Instagram posts and a blog post if you like that yeah okay so I just kind of upsold that and I know that Jess Ica Rose Williams Mm -hmm. who had on the podcast last season she is similarly she's writing a guide and she's doing workshops as well all about minimal living and capsule wardrobes and stuff and so she's written a like an ebook which she's going to use as an upsell on those workshops such a good idea so yeah there's loads of little things that you can do if you just think about it for like five minutes more than you've already thought about it then you get an extra idea to think about how you can use the most out of it also i think take yourself away from the noise and listen to other people instead that I've got so many different ideas since I wasn't in the echo chamber of the travel bloggersphere my Instagram community are so so different from my old life in many ways 
But that's where I've got the most original ideas that I've had have come from that side of things. I think there's something to be said for really taking yourself out of your comfort zone and out of your usual noise. Mm, definitely there's it's like every little niche has got its sort of recipe for success (laughs) and everybody kind of does the same thing so if you listen to well if you're kind of in the online education sphere and you listen to things like being boss Mm. or the gold digger podcast and you're kind of that very girl bossy sort of arena (laughs) Um, it's all like webinars ebooks blah 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 facebook live it's all of that kind of stuff Whereas actually, if you if you take that stuff and transplant it in a travel blogging sphere, that might be really original. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, and vice versa. There's things that you, if you're in one niche and it seems like everybody's doing it, somewhere else there might be nobody doing it. So you can just transplant it from one to the other and start something really unique. I, yeah, I think that's such a good way of putting it that everybody has their own little recipe for success. You might succeed if you follow that recipe, but normally you need to break away from the pack and don't be a sheep, basically. And um, although it's like not copying, I know there's there's a whole lot of stuff about Mm. copying, um, but it does come down to like, oh you're doing a course so that means you're trying to be like so and so once I think there's always one person who's the trailblazer and everybody who comes afterwards the copier (laughs) sort of has that (laughs) yeah that kind of hanging over them that didn't have the idea for a course (laughs) first (laughs) (laughs) the more you can be unique the the better (laughs) I think (laughs) So I talked about imitation versus copying on a Podmas episode and it's so hard because I think even when you start talking about it, I don't, I feel like you're probably not like this because you're quite magnanimous and pragmatic. So many of us, even when we hear somebody talking about or hear someone surreptitiously tweeting about something like, well, it's me. They're talking about me. I'm, I'm the one, aren't I? I'm the one copying them. And I had a conversation with a friend this morning and she was like, you know, this is an area that you do really well. You need to write about this. You should do an e-course on it. You do it really well. And I was like, yeah, but it's this other person's thing. And they were like, no, it's not. That's not <laughs> nothing out there. There's no such thing really as an original idea, which is what Sarah Louise Ferguson said in episode 20, yeah. I think it was, of series one. There's no such thing as an original idea, really. We're all just not necessarily emulating, but we're all just doing variations on something that's already out there. Because that's what makes you successful. Um, I wrote a blog post like way back in summer about using tropes on Instagram because that's kind of the way that, that the algorithm is sort of leading us to create content in a way. But if you want to use Instagram for a business, then... Well, yeah, you've just got to suck it up and, totally, and deal with yeah. that rather than quite about your creativity. <laughs> but, um, but so I sort of talk about tropes in terms of like, I know the sort of things that my people pick up on in pictures. So for me, it's all like very earthy tones and cups of tea and blankets and notebooks and all that kind of thing. So I know if I slot a few of those into my pictures, then it's going to they're going to do well as, as soon as I, I know if I've had a bit of a slump I'm like right I need to pick up a cup of tea so but then anybody else who posts a picture of a cup of tea I'm not going to say yeah. that they're copying me so it is a really fine line I kind of 
I do see some people who who say that somebody's mm. copied them, and I look at the pictures. I'm like, they are completely yeah. different. It's such a it's such a fine line, and I think you can't police no. it. You can't really prove it either way. So just it's it can't be a thing. So don't make yeah, it a thing. Much more important well, things. That's to get it. Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I was talking to Jane Carrington and she's just the perfect example of someone who really is not a sheep. She follows her own path in the most gracious way. and But she also, that means that if there's anyone out there who's maybe emulating her or copying her or where, I hate to use that word, but you know what I mean? It, even if it's, it feels like fairly obvious, she wouldn't care because... And I'm not saying there are, I'm just saying even if there was someone who like stole her name and <laughs> although actually she did say if it was a copyright infringement, then she'd have an issue. But aside from that, it's it's all for the taking. And I thought that was such a good attitude to have because and I feel like we should all have that attitude. And because you're right, there's bigger things to be hung up on. And it can really ultimately all that it does is stop us from moving forward on our own path. Because if we're looking at everyone else. That's a really good way of like diversifying your audience as well. So one thing that I've got planned for next year, well, I've made a list, so <laughs> it's not a definitive plan yet. But in terms of actually um, expanding my audience and kind of getting seen more, is that there are people who do very similar things to me. But actually, it's much better to join forces and sort of introduce them yeah. to my audience and get them to introduce me to their audience because I'm not going to be like the perfect person for all of their customers and, and the same goes but there might be one or two people who are like actually Kate seems like a yeah. better fit for me but either way it's a way of me introducing my audience to somebody who can provide them yeah. with value and as long as I've got that mindset then that's yeah, all I need to I do. I completely agree. You're so brilliant at that as well. I think what I said about you in your episode in the pre-roll is that you're just one of the most laser-focused people that I've ever met, which I think is really true, but you're not laser-focused in a girl-boss-hustle-hard kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> yes. kill everyone else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how, that's, how you, that's how you're successful, by putting your blinkers on, doing what you're doing, but yes, joining forces with people as opposed to thinking they're my enemy, they're my competition, so I'm going to... And that, that's not something that necessarily comes naturally. I don't want to, like, polish my <laughs> halo here. There is, I, like everybody else, get a little pang where I'm like, oh, you might be better yeah. than me, or, oh, God, they, they're doing the same thing as me. But you, it's like a conscious thing to say, well, actually, let's mm. turn this round. How, how can this be beneficial? How can this be beneficial to me, to my audience, to them? And that's just like such an easier way to live yeah. rather than just stressing out about what everyone it else really is, is doing. It's, it's even, I feel like this has been a therapy session for me as well. It is an easier way to live <laughs> and it makes you feel so much more focused on yourself and a lot less hung up on basically what is quite silly it's quite a silly job that we all have yeah <laughs> yeah like nobody's gonna die <laughs> if if something goes wrong with us but yeah it's just seeing things as an opportunity rather yeah. than a threat because even if something looks like a threat you can turn it into an opportunity yes absolutely you're really good at these sound bites as well i'm from <laughs> 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 yeah i worry sometimes that there's no substance no, there behind is. it i'm just good at like rolling out a sentence right yeah that sounds great <laughs> something that uh, a mutual friend sarah louise ferguson said 
um, that you said to her once, which is that I now always have in my head, is cream rises to the top. And I love yes. that. I love that so much. It's another thing to think about when you're stressing about what other people are doing is that the good stuff rises to the top. So just focus on what you're doing. Yeah, stay in your lane and think about what you're trying to be because quite often we will compare ourselves to people who are doing completely different mm. things to us. So they might have like a different aesthetic on Instagram or they might um, be charging like a hundred quid less for their courses mm. or whatever. Um, and so it's just thinking, is that what I want to be? No, then it doesn't yeah, matter. Totally. Everybody's in a different in a different lane and you've just got to keep doing what you're doing. And we were talking about this in our little like Instagram group the other day where you've just, with the algorithm changes and all that sort of thing, you've just got to, you can't keep second guessing your content anymore. You've just got to believe in what you're doing, engage with people because they're the only kind of real thing on Instagram and just post your best stuff. And that's all you can do anymore and just forget the rest of it. And I think that's, you couldn't extend that out to just like, do your best stuff, engage with real people and then don't second guess yourself and believe in what you're doing. And that's, that's the way to go really. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, just go yeah, insane. Totally. <laughs> Something that I wanted to ask you about, because I feel like you'll have some good tips on this is thinking about how much you should charge for things. Do you have any good tips on this? I'm pretty sure you will do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's quite ironic because I was talking to some friends like a couple of weeks ago and it's always been a little bit of an elephant in the room that nobody really knows what anybody's charging. We just all told each other the other day and um, turns out I've been charging like three times less no, than everybody else. How funny. <laughs> yes. And everyone's like, how the hell have you not realised that you're massively undercharging? And I just thought, well, I've been quite lucky to get what I'd been getting. And actually, if we hadn't had that conversation, I would still be happy about what I was charging. So it is difficult and it is a conversation that needs to happen wider Mm. in the industry. And it would be really helpful if there were this was more open and out there and perhaps that there were some standards because at the moment it really is kind of Mm. finger in the air stuff um so what I like to think about and how so how I've changed it and what I was thinking about when I was changing my prices desperately (laughs) (laughs) think about all the different segments of what you offer and what they're worth so for something like an Instagram post for example Part of it is the actual content itself and part of it is the exposure it gets. So think about, yes, the number of followers you've got, but actually the -hmm. engagement is way more important. So I quite often see people who have got like 50,000 followers or whatever, but they actually get the same or less number of likes and comments Mm -hmm. that I do. So to my mind, that's actually a more yes. valuable prospect because I've got a better engagement rate and at the end of the day you can have 50,000 followers but if only 500 of them are seeing or even yeah. caring about what you're creating then that's not yeah. a valuable prospect so it's a sliding scale about how many followers you've got but how many of them are engaged and the quality of the content that you can produce and just believing in it and starting a little bit higher because you'll always be negotiated mm. down. So just So do you do you think be ballsy with with your pricing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because they they've come so far that they want to 
they've already committed that they want yeah. they want you by mm-hmm. even emailing you. So then you're not going to quote them like however much, and then they'll be like, actually, no, absolutely yeah. not. They will come back and negotiate. So just know what your bottom line is there. But yeah, it's difficult and. Quite, and don't be afraid to ask either. So quite often I get people get in touch, no mention mm. of budget or anything like that. And then I send over my media kit with my rates on and everything. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that's great. That's fine. So they always do yeah. have budget. They just don't like to lead with that. So don't feel like, oh, I can't ask. And if you're not being paid, because I still do unpaid stuff because I just yeah. like the person or like the product like don't kill yourself over it (laughs) I've got a friend who created like these absolutely stunning pictures like I thought she'd got them off Pinterest they were that good and she was agonizing over it for like weeks and like so much of her energy went into it let alone like the time taken to actually style them and take them but just the yeah. energy of like night after night worrying about it and it wasn't even paid and I was like mate it's crazy. <laughs> yeah so not worth so, it which just gets the most content. Yeah, out of it. I guess, and also you know, there's value. Like you say, you do. I I do free stuff as well because, and I don't feel like it's free, um, because if someone sends me a contacts me and says I want to send you this product, I, oh, do you know what? I actually would love to use that product, and I know it. Yeah. I could make a beautiful picture out of it or write something nice about it. Um, that's that's valuable to me. But you're right. I wouldn't necessarily then do. Uh, send them a coverage report or do a whole stream of photos I might just include it in my stories or whatever I think it's important in those situations as well to be really upfront and honest and say so when somebody sends me something like that I'll say yep I'll include this in my Instagram stories if I like it and just that one line Mm. in itself is just protecting you from kind of having a negative relationship and it's also making the person who contacts you feel secure that you're a professional and you're you've got about ba- you've set exactly. boundaries basically I think that's really important yeah it all comes down to this being completely unregulated and new again that nobody knows what to expect yeah. from anybody else and PRs are quite clever in the way mm. that they word things and then you actually end up being obligated for things you didn't realise you're obligated for. So, yeah, honesty is the best policy. And just try, although we don't have that many regulations and there's no kind of rule book, create the rule book you want to have and behave the way that you think everybody should. And it's that cream rises to the top again. Like, if you behave so professionally and you send reports mm-hmm. about things and you send them all the stories that you've created and all that kind of thing, then they'll want yeah, to work definitely. with you again. That's And it's something that's come up in a few of these episodes that I've recorded, talking about treating... It doesn't matter how small it is the job is um or the collaboration or whatever is treat everything really professionally treat it as if you're getting paid Mm -hmm. what you want to get paid in the future because like you just said you said earlier that person might go to a brand that you really love or they might become head of xyz and you don't want to get a bad name for yourself you want to be that person who they're like oh i worked with them ages ago and they were brilliant even though i didn't pay Mm -hmm. them or whatever definitely because so that's all we've got, isn't it, as bloggers, our reputation, really. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's super important to protect yeah. it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I really own what you do as well. Not taking things mm-hmm. that don't feel right, but maybe saying you'll create content for them or whatever. And just, yeah, staying Stay in your lane. <laughs> on that note, can you tell everybody where to find you online? And also, do you want to talk a little bit about the workshops? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I am simpleandseason.com. Um, so that's my blog, which kind of has a mix of marketing tips and simple living. <laughs> <laughs> and it does go together better than that kind of sounds and so yeah and then the instagram i'm simple and season and then twitter simple underscore season because oh yes let's <laughs> count, count whatever it was just so annoying yeah so next year i'm running workshops called the out of the woods workshop which is lucy is so kindly alluded to earlier which is all about as it kind of says in the tin getting out of the woods with your business so whether you've kind of been plateauing for a bit and you're not really sure what to do you kind of feel like you're out of control and it's kind of a runaway train or you're just starting out it's a really it's going to be a really great way to kind of nail that down so there'll be a group of about 10 of us in some really beautiful places I've chosen because they're like cozy and we can take our shoes off and drink tea and just be really relaxed and yeah big pieces of paper chatting with a group of like-minded people and it's going to be really beautiful so there's one in bristol in april and in the peak district um maybank holiday weekend yeah there will be more i'm trying to get a location in london so anybody listening knows somewhere in london where i can hold a (laughs) workshop please message me it's so difficult and they're so expensive so yeah there'll be more coming but it's bristol and kind of just outside for the spring on my site thank you so much again kate 